This is Living Truth Podcast, where our purpose is to help you understand the Bible better, live its truth more completely, and experience your relationship with Jesus more deeply. I'm Tom Hine, and I'm your host and resource person in partnership with various guests who engage with us in dynamic conversation and stories from their own lives. Hello, everybody. It's great to have you with us today. This is part two as we're talking about missions, the why, the how, some stories, and I'm interacting with Jake here today, and we'll be interacting with some different guests in coming weeks. At least that's the hope. And so what I want to do today is think a little bit about the biblical basis for missions, and we'll probably do this each time. And there's various places, many, many places that we could go in Scripture. And so we could go all the way back to Genesis chapter 3 and the promise that we have for a Redeemer to come, where it talks about how Jesus will he'll be crushed, but he will strike at the heel of Satan. And uh, Satan will not overcome, that Jesus ultimately overcomes and redeems us. So, Amen. Yeah. Um, so we could go all the way back to passages like that, or we could go to Genesis chapter 12. And in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham was invited to go out and look at the stars, also reaffirmed in Genesis 15. And God gave him this promise that he would have descendants as numerous as the stars, as numerous as the sand by the sea. And so bound up in that is this promise of spiritual mm -hmm. descendants of the Messiah to come from the line of Abraham. And so we could go back to Genesis 12 even for the beginning of the promise all the way then to the end of scripture when it talks in Revelation about people in Revelation 5 and 7 and later on Revelation 19, 20, I can't remember exactly where, but it talks about people from every tribe, every language, every nation mm -hmm. worshiping around the throne of God. And so from Genesis to Revelation, missions is there. Mm -hmm. And so it's really a big big theme mm -hmm. of scripture that oftentimes is not seen. Yeah. It's just kind of, we read past it. Mm -hmm. One of the topics in the journey course that we attended, and it sounds like New Hope is going to do, was just that. It was God's heart for the nations and just walking through that. And it was, it is something that it's very easy to overlook. It's very, by nature, we're selfish people. It's easy to focus on, well, he's my God. He's the God of my church. And Thinking of God as a global God is so, it changes how we look at scripture. It changes how we look at how big God is. It's just so important. For sure. And particularly in the Old Testament, we tend to miss it. Mm -hmm. We see the battles between Israel and these various nations. We get stuck on that. Mm -hmm. And we forget all the promises where God says, I am the God of the nations. Mm -hmm. And and that's that, what supposed to, Israel was supposed to do was... Exactly. Make God great to the nations and share him. And, yeah. 
we know how Israel did. And Israel got hope. off track, and like I say, we miss it. Mm -hmm. But it's a big theme yeah. in Scripture. I remember one missionary I heard talk one time said he went through all the Bible and just highlighted all these promises of God to the nations. Mm -hmm. And books like Isaiah, he said, were just filled with highlight marks. Mm -hmm. um, I made a friend who's a pastor in another country who came by and he shared he was sharing in another church and got a little carried away and he says god doesn't love america and then he says well god doesn't love my country either and his whole point was god doesn't love nations he loves people and he loves people groups and i thought that was really that was something that stuck with me even a couple of weeks later yeah for sure yeah. people are going to remember that line yes yes yeah <laughs> and so of course Maybe all of us know what we call the Great Commission. If you don't, it's at the end of Matthew chapter 28. And actually, there are about five uh, passages. Matthew has one. Mark has one. Luke has one. John has one. Acts has one mm -hmm. that we could call the Great Commission. But the one we usually go to is in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So we have one who has the authority, mm -hmm. Jesus, and he says, therefore, go and make disciples. Making disciples means sharing the gospel, helping people to follow him. The word disciple means to be a follower. Make disciples of all nations. And we talked last time, and I'll continue to say that nations means not necessarily political nations like Poland or Finland or the United States, but people groups, tribes. Mm -hmm. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything mm -hmm. that is written. And so what I want to talk a little bit about today is part of my call these days to go and teach the nations. Mm -hmm. And so having been a pastor for about, um, at that point in 99, I guess it would have been, I don't know, 15 years or so in various kinds of positions, including social pastor, little time as youth pastor, and then preaching in Eagle Grove, Iowa from 90 to 99. So at about that point, I had a representative from a missions organization that stopped by my office, and he was recruiting people to go to the Ukraine and teach young pastors and leaders. Okay. The Soviet Union had dispersed into separate countries, and the wall had come down. And so a lot of these countries, including Russia, were trying to figure out what was the next chapter mm -hmm. in their life and how do they function as a society. And churches that had been very persecuted were starting to try to figure out what do we do next mm -hmm. now that we can talk freely how do we share the gospel how do we grow in christ how we how do we organize ourselves as a church that's healthy and that's really really has a good foundation and so 
this recruiter was recruiting people from the West to go and teach various courses. And so he had a need for someone to go and teach on adult education, on utilizing small groups for discipleship. And so in 99, I went with my dad and that, that was great fun, too, to have him along. I bet. We arrived there in what today we call Kiev. Back then they called it Kiev. And when we arrived, our luggage was lost. And the airport, I don't know if it's still true today, but, well, I mean, right at this moment. Right. Uh, and I'm not talking about right at this moment. But um, at the time there were all these military people at the airport. It wasn't like where you land in the United States and you've got different people that are behind desks that right. uh, you can go to and where it says information table or we have a sign that says, if you have lost luggage, go here. We didn't know what to do. So we mm -hmm. wandered around there looking at these soldiers and we didn't know if we could go up to them and talk to them or if they would even know English. Mm -hmm. Finally, we found our way to an office that uh, there was somebody that spoke English and could help us. And the missionaries, apparently they didn't have any way of contacting us. <laughs> and so they were wondering where we were. Uh, fortunately, they had waited for us when, uh, because everybody else had gotten off the plane and walked out in the lobby. Right. And we didn't. So anyway, um, we eventually found our way out, and we uh, would travel to various churches where we'd preach, and then we'd gather different students together for about, I can't remember if it was two weeks or three weeks. We traveled from city to city in various places in the Ukraine, and yeah, it is quite um, sad mm. and freaky to see pictures from the Ukraine and I mean, there's a few places that I remember, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in Kiev, being at, and but more so just thinking about we'd be traveling in a car, looking at the countryside, and some of the pictures I see on the news are of the countryside, and I can put myself back mm -hmm. in that situation and just wondering about some of those pastors that I trained that at the time were in their 20s and wondering how they're doing, thinking yeah. they're probably carrying a gun if they're alive mm. and protecting their country. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, um, that was my first experience going overseas using the skills that I've had in terms of my own training, my own experience, go over and teaching. And I didn't exactly know how to do it at the mm -hmm. time or what I was doing. Then it came up uh, to Adele and... Shortly after this. Right? Yeah, yeah, shortly after that, in year 2000. And so one of the pastors that I had a friendship with, Eagle Grove was pretty close to Fort Dodge, Iowa, and this pastor's name was Al, and we ended up taking on support for Al here in Adel. So he was one of the missionaries, okay. uh, he and his wife, that we ended up supporting. And... Al was just starting to develop a curriculum, what we would call an inductive Bible study method, that uh, we go through various books of the Bible from Mark, 
Jonah, Second Timothy, Colossians, Romans, and he actually was building on some previous curriculum that comes out of Chicago and has been used around the world for many years. And what he was actually doing was simplifying the material, taking it from 120 pages down to about 20 pages for each workshop. Exactly. And so I began to interact with him and he invited me to travel with him and give him feedback on how I thought the teaching was going. And And then where was he traveling? So he was going to Kenya. Okay. And so I started to travel with Al and with his wife, Edie, as well. She would try to do some things with women. And so I'd give him feedback and suggestions and things. And so that was back, I can't remember exactly what year, maybe 2004, 2005, somewhere in that time frame, maybe a little bit later. Anyway, um, so then I got, you know, I got uh, experience Mm -hmm. utilizing this methodology as well and doing all the different workshops. And so Al asked me to help start recruiting some other pastors to also go on these trips. And so I began to do that and... Over the course of about seven, eight years, we ended up recruiting, I don't know, 30, 40 pastors from Iowa Oh wow! that have been involved in going overseas and leading these workshops uh, called Pathways, uh, Bible Pathways. And so the way Bible Pathways does it, like I say, is they have an introduction and then they go for one week at a time in various places, going through Jonah first, Second Timothy, then Romans, Colossians, Mark, Psalms, and helping students to learn how to understand and preach and teach the Bible in a way that follows the Bible text. Okay. In a way that we elucidate the meaning of the text and help them to do that. Okay. So, so more than just teaching about the Bible, but you're teaching them how to read the Bible and then how to share what they've learned with others? For sure. Okay. So one of the ways we do that is during the workshop, we have assignments where they have to work on a passage and then present that to the group. Okay. And so this, for some of them, this is, I mean, especially if they're brand new mm-hmm. to uh, preaching, teaching, this is the first time okay. that they've ever presented to someone. Where are these students coming from? Yeah, and I mean, all across the board. Mm-hmm. So like I say, on the one hand, I've taught students that have done very little presentation or teaching. Then there are some regular teachers, preachers, mm-hmm. church planters that have quite a bit of experience. Then there's some older pastors that have been preaching for many years, but they don't necessarily know how to do it. Mm. And so a very common kind of a thing is the experience of one of the Kenyan pastors who told us later, he said, yeah, he said, when I first started preaching and said, down through the years, up until I took these workshops, he said, what I would do on a Sunday morning, I would jump on my motorcycle 
And while I was on my motorcycle, I'd ask God, God, what do you want me to talk about today? Oh, wow. It was about a half hour trip for him <laughs> to figure out what his sermon is going to be. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so it was the lightning bolt method, uh, yeah. <laughs> thinking that God's going to hit him with a lightning bolt of truth and he's going to present it. Yeah. And he said, I would just say what came to my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now that's either someone very talented or very foolish <laughs> and maybe both. Sometimes both. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, and his nickname was the lion. Oh. I mean, he was a very bold uh, yeah. kind of guy. And so, unfortunately, what happens is that pastors, teachers, and those kind of circumstances might develop five messages mm. that they just vary from week to week oh, to okay. week. And they go back to the same Bible text over and over mm. again, the same themes, like they might be big on faith. Every oh. week's about faith. Um, and they kind of just say the same thing all the time mm -hmm. in different ways. Maybe they have different illustration or maybe another Bible text. They might just have one verse that they talk about, or they might have a few different verses scattered, but they don't know how to understand the Bible in its context, mm -hmm. how to understand a word in the context of a sentence, sentence in the context of a paragraph, a paragraph in this context of a chapter of the Bible, chapter of the Bible in the context of the whole book of the Bible, and that book of the Bible in the context of the whole Bible. Mm -hmm. They never thought about it. Yeah. They never had anybody help them with Just it. Just kind of picking verses out that seem to say what they like. And, exactly. I mean... I assume for the most part, well intentions, but just on tremendously yeah. good intentions. They they want the word to go out. They want the gospel to be shared. They just don't know how. They've never had anybody do it. And it's always best when we can work with people that have some kind of reading ability. Mm -hmm. Where it's really hard is where pastors don't even know how to read very well mm. then essentially what we're doing is we're bringing them we're, we're almost we're, we're always bringing them a reading course mm -hmm. anytime you're learning the bible you're learning how to read better yeah but there's some of the pastors that we teach that they don't they have a hard time bless mm -hmm. them but they have a really hard time I even, can't even reading imagine. yeah and so so I started to travel with Al to Kenya and again first time you're doing things you make mistakes and so one of the mistakes we made there was the bishop was not involved in the training and the pastors became better bible expositors oh. than he was oh, okay he was stuck with an old method where he would go he'd preach that people need to be saved good mm -hmm. and then that people need to be healed and that was his thing over and over and over and over again. Now, the pastors that he is leading start to learn how to preach from Romans mm -hmm. and to teach the text and what it means. And this was very awkward and very threatening to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. And so, unfortunately, it led to some division mm -hmm. and problems 
that's the bad news. The good news is I heard that Al just now 10, 12 years later has gone back and done training again with that group mm -hmm. and with the bishop. Okay. And it's brought some healing good. and help and really yeah. closed a chapter. Yeah, glad God that. was able to so, kind of redeem and restore yeah, that. Exactly. So so I did that with Al and there were gradually people that also joined Al full time okay. and travel even to this day to various places around the world full time. And so at this point, uh, last few years, for me, it's always been a tension between I love being a pastor, love mm -hmm. serving locally, and knowing and loving the people that I'm with and shepherding and going overseas where people hardly know any Bible and where the need is immense mm -hmm. for trained people to teach and to preach. And so... For me, there's been this balancing act between local and global, yeah. and so that's why down through the years, um, graciously, the elders have released me in various ways to go global while mm -hmm. still serving locally. Yeah. And so started going with Al to Kenya, went to Uganda, and Liberia. And um, then been to India, and for the last few years, that's where I've been. And so, jumping ahead, then about three or four years ago, um, talked with the elders about what's next, and this was about the time that we called Pastor Ryan as lead pastor, mm -hmm. and so my role changed where I would be half-time with the church, and then the other half-time, I developed an organization okay. that I call Pastor Training International. Basically, just to say, I'll go wherever God calls me, right. whether, wherever the need is, um, I'm not sensing a call to develop an, a large organization mm -hmm. of 50 other people. Um at this point, it's me and then our board of directors, uh, some people from the church, basically, mm -hmm. and people who support me, pray for me, partner together with me in New Hope Church and my relatives. And so I am at this time, like I say, still open to going to Asia, Africa, mm -hmm. wherever there's a need, because the need is great and the workers are few. Mm -hmm. And so... Most of the people in our church are better trained than the pastors wow. in Africa and Asia. Wow. Because they can easily start churches. Mm -hmm. People are eager to join organizations, to come to... In some places, not yeah. every place. But in Africa in particular, there's many places where people are eager to come to know the Lord and a church can Praise be started um, fairly quickly. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean... But once you get started, it's hard to... Get depth and growth and exactly. disciple making. and Exactly. The yeah. Pastors, leaders, they can share the gospel, but then what's next? Mm -hmm. what, what do you do with these people? How do you help them to grow in their knowledge and understanding and awareness of how to serve the Lord and how to be a church mm -hmm. together? And so those are the kind of things that 
I go and do is help them to grow in their ability to lead and preach and teach. So you shared a little bit about how you kind of got engaged with this. Why is this specific types of mission work been why why has it had a pull on you why have you been drawn to this specific teaching of pastors so i think there's a couple questions that you're asking is why do i go and Mm. one of the reasons why i go is because we're all called to go and do something Mm -hmm. either here or there or both And so some of us go and travel far away. Some of us do ministry here, and it's all good. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's all a part of what God calls us to be engaged in both places somehow, Mm -hmm. whether it's through prayer, through giving financially, through going ourselves. And so for me, just by virtue of my training, my experience, it just seems like a natural fit. Yeah. No, that makes sense. And so that's why I go is because the need is great and because of my own experience, my own abilities, my own uh, development as a teacher. Yeah. And so, I mean, they they appreciate people coming greatly. Yeah. I mean, in some ways you have what they lack. You, right. you have the ability to discern the Word of God and read it and study it. And so exactly. being able to give that to them and teach that is... Yeah, so important. Exactly. And so, I mean, that's been where primarily my experience and my training has been. Mm-hmm. And so that that's why this mission. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, can you do that over the internet? Yeah, somewhat. Mm-hmm. During COVID, I put out the, on uh, Facebook to some pastors overseas that I was willing to take them through training. So I had about four that responded, and there were about two that were really eager to Mm -hmm. learn. And so one guy in particular, I mean, in Zambia, he was very eager and stuck with me through two workshops and learned a lot. He was also, he was was already an expository preacher, someone who would try to take people and teach them and preach through the Word of God, mm-hmm. like through the book of John or through the book of Acts. And so he he knew he needed to do that, but he wasn't sure how to do it, wasn't mm-hmm. very good at it. So I really enjoyed just one-to-one yeah. doing that through the Internet. And he'd be out in the middle of a cornfield, and we'd be, because that's how he makes his living, <laughs> and uh, he'd be watching, working with some workers there, and we'd be doing a lesson while he sat in wow. his car, and his phone would be running off the car battery. Wow. And so I'm still in touch with him, uh, and maybe I'll go and do some training with him someday. He's not necessarily uh, someone who's real well organized in terms of working with a group and network of pastors, but he might be able to do that at some point. Mm -hmm. And that's a part of what I try to do is go someplace where there's a network of pastors Mm -hmm. so I can multiply what I'm doing. So are you usually connecting with someone who is either the leader of some sort of association or connection or group of churches or someone who can at least organize something yes one of those two and so i'm going to a country in west africa 
that has a high Muslim population. And I met the pastor over in Liberia, mm-hmm. where I was teaching at a seminary. And I'll tell you about that teaching is just a little bit different mm-hmm. than uh, the workshops I do. Uh, but I told him about the workshops, the inductive Bible study to learn how to do expository preaching. And he's a very excellent student. He's a person who impacts others, a good administrator, organizer, and he actually is over there planting a church. He's from Liberia, and he's planting a church in this country and married a woman from the country where I'm going. And so he's just a guy that is good at reaching out Mm -hmm. and putting something together. And so... I can see that as I as I interacted with him in class, as I got mm-hmm. to know him. And so I'm going over to teach a number of pastors in the first workshop. And what I like to do in the first workshop is really lay out all the principles mm-hmm. of what we teach in terms of the formal word is hermeneutics. It's the science of Bible interpretation uh, we also call it inductive Bible study, inductive meaning verse by verse, section by section, not just jumping around all over mm-hmm. the Bible. And so he's eager to do it. He has skills of organization. I'll know more when I get back. But right. <laughs> and, and he also seems eager to take what is learned and then, like I say, take it to others and mm-hmm. organize this group of pastors that is coming together so that they can take it to yeah. others. What is what is teaching actually look like? Are most of these people who are in your workshops, are they English speakers? Or are they at least understanding English? Or do you speak through a translator a lot? What does that look like? It varies. Okay. So in places like Kenya... And in Uganda, most people speak a form of English. Liberia, they speak a form of English. And so I can just teach in English without a translator. Okay. Places like Ukraine and Asian countries, there are not nearly as many people that speak English. And Mm -hmm. so we almost always have to translate. The language that is the national language in the country where I'm going this time is French. Okay. And so... Dusting off French textbooks? What's that? Are you dusting off French textbooks from (laughs) high school? (laughs) So some of my friends in high school took French classes. (laughs) I didn't feel like I had room in my curriculum to do it. And at the time I thought, who needs a language (laughs) like French? (laughs) Well, it's coming back to bite you now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I do remember they would go around saying the um, numbers, un, oh, da, yes. tro, un, da, tra, quatre, sing, something like that. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, they'd go around saying that. Yeah. And uh, anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I don't know much French, but I do know that um, we'll have translators and okay. I've done training with translators. It takes a little more time. Right. Slow, but it works. Yeah, it, it works amazingly well. Yeah. really. Yeah, and I'm sure the people listening are just hungry for it too. Exactly, that makes such a difference. Yep, and in most place, most places, people do know some English, mm-hmm. and 
people want to learn English because it is the language of international business and culture. Mm -hmm. And so they're always glad to have an English speaker mm -hmm. because they'll pick up some things in English. Yeah. And then when it's translated, it's reaffirmed, kind of like you learned Spanish. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just spend time around it and it kind of happens. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure another thing is just the resources are available to you if you're able to read it all in English. Uh, I was, again, the same pastor friends um, was sharing. It's just I wasn't even aware of how many resources we have that if you are in any other language are just not available to you. There's, I mean, the number of books and spiritual resources and commentaries they have are good ones are in the dozens as opposed to the hundreds and hundreds we have access to. Thousands upon ten yeah. thousands that we yeah. have access to. Yeah. Yeah, in this particular country, I don't have a number mm -hmm. on it, but I know that we were talking about a few of the pastors, at least 10 to 12 that will be coming to the workshop, all they have is a Bible. And wow. they don't even have a study Bible. Mm -hmm. And so no resources. And wow. that's I mean, that's what we're trying to teach them is how to just have a Bible mm -hmm. and understand it. Yeah. And so at one level, it's beautiful. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like trying to feed someone who's starving mm -hmm. and... They just need a lot mm -hmm. to be nourished. And yeah. so, yeah, that is a challenge. Yeah, I imagine so. So, yeah, um, this time um, Kathy Hikes is going with me. She's going to be training some women. And okay. this is a new venture for me, actually, to go and lead such a large group of pastors. Usually it's 15 to 25 and this time, the pastor there is saying, for me, it's probably going to be between 60 to 80. Wow. And so that's going to take some organization and some different techniques right. of training. We're going to have to divide them up into groups in the session and mm -hmm. have them do their assignments in the groups and share with one another. Right. And then we'll be years of training to get a master's degree right. or four years of undergraduate training to get a bachelor's degree. And okay. what they do is they come for a week of training three times a year. And then in between time, they have assignments. Okay. Even even today, I had a WhatsApp note from one of the students who was in the class. He said, I don't understand this assignment. <laughs> and so I had to give him some direction on okay. what to do with the assignment. And he's working on it because he'll be back in class in about a month and okay. he's got assignments he's got to turn in along yeah. with a final test. Okay. And so so that's a little different style of mm -hmm. training. That's with a group called Training Leaders International out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Originally some people that came out of Bethlehem Baptist Church with Pastor John Piper. Okay. And they've developed a very large training organization, and their goal is to go and start Bible schools and seminaries okay. in various places that would be a little more permanent okay. than, you know, I go out to, I do workshops right. with pastors, but I'm not trying to start a whole Bible school. Right with them. This yeah. organization starts Bible schools. And so I like training with them for two reasons. Number one is that 
they have an ongoing kind mm-hmm. of a program. And number two, they got it all set up. Yeah, I'm sure it's a lot easier. Than <laughs> exactly, some of the no stuff you've administrative work. I don't have to yeah. work. I don't have to worry about where I'm going to stay mm-hmm. or what I'm going to eat. Yeah. They got that all set up. Yeah. Uh, this time, I'm not worrying too much, but I don't know where. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I I've emailed back and yeah. forth about the place where I'll stay. Yeah. Um, but I have no idea what I'm going to eat or where I'm going yeah. to eat. Uh, we'll figure that out when we get there. Right. Uh, so Look forward to hearing about it. <laughs> yeah. And so it's a little bit uh, different kind of uh, a trip depending on which one I do. But I both bet. are important and valuable. And pouring uh, work and effort into training up and discipling mm-hmm. um, young pastors. And I'm very thankful for New Hope Church, for giving me and allowing me and encouraging me to do it, for people who are praying. That's just so valuable mm-hmm. uh, to have that prayer support. I know it sounds like, I know all missionaries say it, but it is true. Mm-hmm. It, it really is and very important. And so, yeah, so probably by the time you hear this podcast, I might even be back. Yeah. Um, by yeah, but time. this one we might be. Yeah. Is there somewhere um, that people can kind of stay aware of what's going on with PTI? Yeah, so because I sometimes travel to places that are a little bit uh, risk-oriented, primarily what I do is I have a private group on Facebook that I keep people aware of what I'm doing. And so you can contact me either by email or on Facebook about joining that group. Or I also send out occasional emails to people that would like to keep up with what I'm doing. Okay. And so my email is uh, pastortraininginternational at gmail.com. Okay. It's easy to remember. Yeah. Kind of long, but yeah. it all, all <laughs> s- small letters, all flows together. Yeah. No dashes or underlines or anything. Yeah. Just pastortraininginternational at gmail.com. I appreciate you sharing about this. I, you know, I work with you, and there's, I mean, I, I hear how your trips go and everything, but it's good to sit down and hear kind of more of the specifics and your heart behind it. For sure. I appreciate you being willing yeah, to share. Yeah, for sure. And I know you got your hands full right now, but you could do this too. Okay. You could. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah. so that's uh, one of the joys, one of the opportunities is to just share God's spiritual wealth yeah. with others. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we, we've been blessed with so much. It yep. It only makes sense to get back. For sure. Thanks, Jake. Thank you.